HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Two percent, two percent, two percent. Uh, the two percent's right over here. Oh, hey, Jenna. I didn't know you shopped here. Uh, yeah, anything to support local food, know what I mean? I definitely do. Though that's not the only thing you do in the name of Good Eats, obviously. Well, true. I also host Eating Matters every Wednesday at 5 p.m. where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. Be sure to tune in. All right, gotta get the plug in there, I get it. Yep, I'm hashtag shameless. You know what else you can do to support the local food community, right? Well, yeah. Make a donation to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. That's right. And I gotta call you out on the whole local thing. What do you mean? Well, The Farm Report, A Taste of the Past, Japan Eats. Those are shows that take you around the country and the world. I'll give you that. So how can listeners give their support? It's pretty easy. Just go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the big red heart in the top right corner. It's pretty easy from there. Thanks. Today's program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit www.rt11.com. I am Patrick Martins, host of The Main Course. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes coming to you live from Pasadena, California, which has a lot better food than I gave it credit for when I started coming out here. Actually, one of the best ramen places in the whole city. Yes, ramen, right up the street. Ramen Tatsunoya. Exactly. Did you go? I did go. I a, a while ago I had a meeting out here and I left an hour early to go eat there. It's you, fantastic. You can hit 80 to 5 degrees for sweets on the way out today. Oh, yeah. And then you'll have hit the block. The block. At least this block. Yes, I'll hit the block. I, uh, it's great, but we're with uh, Shauna Dawson, founder of the LA Food Fest, lifelong Angelino, a.k.a. Rare Unicorn. Yes. Is it being a lifelong Angelino, like, can people tell? Because, you know, when I lived in New York, I would meet people from New York and be like, you are a lifelong New York. You could just tell about their disposition and the way they live their life. Um, I will say this. As often as I get pegged for a native Angelino, I get pegged for a native New Yorker. Interesting. I don't know what that says about me, but um, I will say, for me in this city, I run across um, so many other native Angelinos who are doing interesting and creative things. So I feel like anytime there's something really cool that I happen to fall into or become connected with, anytime I get to the top of who whose mind this came out of, they're natives. I think that we're just passionate about our town and want to do cool stuff here. I mean, the fact that you have a food festival and other endeavors that's focused on supporting LA food and Angelinos themselves, do you think that there is some ingrained ownership of the city or something that you actually owe to the city of being like giving back? I mean, you know, you talk about a lot of your interviews before and your importance comes down to community and, and adding back into that. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say that I feel like I owe the city anything. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't. <laughs> Sorry, LA. You get my taxes. I don't know you. But yeah. Um, but I love my city. Sure. And that's it. I really, truly love my city. Um, I think anytime you read the gripe list of all the things wrong with LA, there are many things wrong with LA, like any other urban center. Absolutely. Right? But when it comes down to it, there's no other place I would rather live. And I've lived in a few other places, and I always want to come home. I mean, coming home is one of the best feelings. Right? Don't you love it when you're like on this amazing trip and then you're like, you know what's going to be awesome when I come home? That's right. Um, so you've been here your entire life, and when did you start working in the festival space? Um, when was your first endeavor into being like, I'm going to put my hat in the ring and put all my blood and all my sweat and get a bunch of people together? So um, that would be now almost eight years ago. Okay. Um, and that, well, actually a full eight years ago, if I really think about it. I've been doing events in different capacities as a marketing person for a mm -hmm. really long time. But when I left my last real full-time gig um, as a marketing director, mm -hmm. I left with this idea that I wanted to do this street food festival. Awesome. And decided I was going to do it and enlisted the help of a friend and went out and made it happen. I mean, 2008, right? Or 2000, is that my math? Eight years ago? Yes. 2008 was when you really nationally started to see a shift in the prominence of L.A. food. Not saying it didn't exist before, but really L.A. was saying, like, we are a cultural standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And how did that... Was that the the big shift, or did you always be like... like Angela, like Los Angeles food and this surrounding areas, like that is the cuisine that I love. I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about the history of this event and that and how this started, yeah, it was much more locally focused. Oh, okay. Because truly, the the you know the epicenter of all this for me was here and what was happening here specifically with the food scene. You know, eight years ago, um, 
I, at the time, you know, again, like I said, I had a marketing director gig that took me out into the food world. Sure. I worked in the food world. So in that capacity, I was out seeing what was happening, what was new. And um, this is just at the time that pop-ups were burgeoning. Oh, that yeah. the new The Nouveau food truck was burgeoning versus the loncheras and loncheros that I grew up with. So it was just a very curious time with all these things happening. And I didn't understand why no one was bringing some of those elements together in one event. And that's where this was born. Now, when you say bringing it together, you know, was that because physically that they were just so spread out? Because, you know, in many ways, like you're in different pockets that you can never eat. You could be the biggest foodie in LA and rarely make it out to Santa Monica or things like that. It was your whole idea to like, I'm going to be the one to bring it together. It was a piece of that, but it was also a piece of corralling all these food trucks, mm. right? Because at the time, everyone was just on Twitter. Sure. No Instagram. Can you imagine a time before Instagram? I, so, I, I have nightmares about that <laughs> before the gram. No game. Snapchat? No Snapchat. So we, you know, you would go on Twitter and kind of see where these trucks were. Um, but And again, you could follow those guys, but it didn't speak to the old school, the really great taco trucks. Like where I grew up here was on the east side in Highland Park in Eagle Rock. Um, Mount Washington. I went to Eagle Rock Elementary School. Went Shout to, out Eagle Rock. Right? Eagle Rock. Um, and the things that I grew up with that were really phenomenal, no one was talking about. Nobody was eating that stuff. And I think now, fast forward, there are a lot of people doing that, especially in the journal, journalistic uh, mm-hmm. sphere, and it's phenomenal. But from an event perspective and getting it out into the community in front of people, that union of LA's kind of you know taco truck culture versus more gourmet, even though street food has always inspired LA cuisine, they, those two things were not directly intersecting in an event, and that was the idea. I mean, I think it's tough with any giant urban city about these truly unique, unbelievable ethnic pockets that sometimes get overshadowed by the more media-savvy, new and sexy in that cycle of like Instagram and food blogs. Absolutely. That, you know, it's like going to the person who's been there for 30 years is not when you open up Eater or anything that go like, oh, where am I going to eat? It's very rare that you see those people. They might get a shout out, but not at the top of the list. No, they're not. And this is what I come down to often calling kind of the PR phenomena. And if you don't have a publicist, you're often not going to land into the sphere of food events that most of these guys land it in, you know, not only because you don't have PR, but because you probably don't have a marketing budget to do it. No, of course. I mean, right? going you out to these, these guys, it costs money. That's right. So what did the first iteration of LA Food Fest look like? How many people, how would you say? The first, okay. And can, can you uh, say let me success? Take you back. Uh, it was, it's a very, it, it, well, oof. It was successful, absolutely. When you, yeah, you bring that here. many people out, yeah. it's a success, but wow, we were too successful. That was the problem. With Too many event. people? Yes. Our very first event, we planned for 5,000 people. The city didn't really think that we would pull 5,000 people downtown on a weekend the first month in you know 2010, which is when we finally did this. And um, kind of looked at us like we're crazy. Like we had three eyes. Like you're going to get 5,000 people on Saturday downtown. Like, no, you're not. And so we had no city support. I was asking for traffic control for this, for that. And they were like, no, you're not getting 5,000 people. Did you have it all documented? So when they came back to of you, of course we did. There it was you the go. best. It was the best when we were staring down a line of more than 20,000 people. That Are you we, serious? I'm dead serious that we had no idea. We're going to show up within 15 minutes. We were at capacity for the day. There was no way we had all these people to turn away. My husband was, you know, with walking up and down a, a, a mile long line, literally with a bullhorn and, a, and bottles of water and pop chips because they were a sponsor, you know, still getting some love pop chips, go pop, uh, chips. <laughs> go pop chips, handing these things out saying, you know, there's no possible reality where you're getting in here. 
So please go. We love you for coming, but please go. It was insane, but that's when we knew we needed to switch up the model. What was the original model? It was a free-for-all. It was come in very low admission price and um, pay as you go. That does not... Bode well. That does not bode well. And it's... I love the public. And I love doing <laughs> events. It's, it's what I do. But there's something about when people have a low entry point for something with food. It The expectations run high yes can I say that yes they do well in this case I think the expectations ran nowhere because people didn't even fully understand what we're doing they just knew they wanted to be there the admission for that very first event was five dollars just to get in the door we gave a buck of it to charity fantastic and that buck to charity got you a beer which most people didn't even realize that five bucks was admission and a free beer Mm. it was bananas and I was looking through the sea of people and there were random celebrities I'll never forget there were a couple of cast members from SNL trying to come in I was like I won't take your money but if you want to come see what this is come in but like people have waited now for two hours for food please go eat somewhere else downtown and come see us another time. At the time, a couple of restaurateurs who were friends of mine downtown, one of whom I went on to work with, he told me, he was like, we had the best day and we're all wondering what was going on because hmm. every place downtown was packed. Oh, isn't that awesome? See, community right there. Community. Your, your uh, <laughs> underplanning was there over success. <laughs> well, hey, no, we, we planned. No, you planned. We planned. <laughs> we planned as best as one can, but no, you can't. Course. When you're talking about that many people and you've planned for a quarter for, of that... There's just nothing you can do. It's, you're in an impossible place. But we knew, great, there's people... There's a desire. Absolutely. Angelinos want to do this. They want to see it. You've used that word community. I like to use that word community because I think that there is a desire for us to, you know, for Angelinos. Now we have some public transportation that may be starting to change things for the, another generation. But for people my age and even people 10, 15 years younger than me, we rarely get out of our cars, right? Sure. We just don't because even if you can get on the metro now it will take too long and you've got things to do and so these types of events to me do so much more because they serve an you know a real need for us to connect with one another yeah and get out and um if you ever ask me what my favorite thing is about this event that very first one and what we do now i will always tell you it is the people who come because people always ask me what's your demographic who comes to these events what does it look like it looks like L.A. It is a cross-section of the city. Isn't that awesome? Yep, and that is the unifying force of food. And that's why I love what we do. Awesome. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about this year's L.A. Food Fest and some of the awesome things that you're doing, including pricing structure, which I actually am really, really excited about, which might be the nerdiest like insider event thing to be like, oh, your pricing structure is fantastic. I'm but I- so excited because... A lot of time was spent on that. <laughs> I love it. And then some of the the, uh, the other different events, and then also your work with Mexico and bringing in Chef from Guadalajara to Mexico City. Great. Um, this is Freelance Wales, recorded live on Snaggy Tunes. Fun fact, they were the band that made us realize that we were going to do nothing but live bands for the rest of our lives here on Snaggy Tunes. <laughs>
uh, one of my favorite songs, Freelance Whales. Uh, we are here with Shauna Dawson, founder of LA Food Fest, fellow ex- event, eventor. It's like an entrepreneur event thing. And uh, you are five days out from the launch of this year. <laughs> the insanity. Uh, the insanity. Uh, how do you feel the week before an event? Um, excited. Yeah. And anxious. Yeah. You know, I say this always, no matter how many times I do these events, no matter how many times we face every adversity you can imagine and still have a successful event. And, you know, as you know, your attendees never know about all that stuff and what's happening behind the scenes and things are spitting out of control. And, you know, if you put on a great show, that's all people see and that's great. But uh, no matter how many times I do this and I should feel, have some level of confidence after that. I always find myself feeling like the seven-year-old with the birthday cake and the party and like, oh my gosh, no one's coming to my party and I'm going to have to eat this whole cake. And then people come and then you go like, oh shit, I should have brought two cakes. That's right. Exactly. And then the cake is gone and I'm like, just like you said, oh my gosh, I need more cake. So one of the things that I've seen in a trend, a lot of food festivals is sort of this homogenization of food festivals where it doesn't even matter what town you're in, but it's like the same chefs and like this circuit, but LA Food Fest is very unique to what it is. And so what was the philosophy or the thesis in building this up and making it now in your eighth iteration of this, something that's special that would drive people to go here? Um, I love that you said that. I didn't, I actually had an interview with um, Neil over at the Fork Reporter, mm-hmm. KFI. And before we went on air, he made a comment to me where he said, you know, I think everybody thinks that they can just throw up a bunch of white 10 by 10s and bring in food vendors and call it a food festival. And that really struck me um, because it's exactly what we set out not to do Mm -hmm. in this new iteration. Um, The goal was to create an experience. So it's pulling all the elements that have really been successful for us in the past, not just from a fan favorite perspective and all of those things will be there, but also um, that component of diversity. Right of making sure that as much as we're doing things for our attendees, we're doing as much for our vendors so that we can help um, support and facilitate the participation of people who otherwise you don't see at these events because sure. it's really tough for them to do them financially. So um, you know we've structured a very kind of creative model to with a few different options, both again for the attendee and for the vendor, so that um, we can kind of maintain that diversity and really represent the entire breadth of LA's food culture and not just one piece of it that you'd see at what we, what I would call the Lexus marquee food event, the $150 plus food event, mm. or that you would just see at the, you know, night market style event or the low cheap entry event. Sure. Right. So with this balance, what have you found that is a different type of experience? Like what are like, what is something a little bit more tangible that you haven't seen at other food events well for starters we've done a three-in-one so we were like let's look at this and create an experience that allows the attendee to choose their own adventure Mm. and spend what they can spend while also affording them the same experience level and the same level of truly it's experience there's another word for it that you would get if you were spending that 150 dollars plus price point right so for example when you come into our event there are no lounges or areas that are exclusively vip which even we have done in the past. Yeah. We've eliminated that. So even if you come in for the market experience, which is pay as you go, and we did have $10 tickets, those sold out, but the tickets are now $15 online, 20 at the door. But if you come in for that, that ticket price includes the experience. Sure. So it's all the entertainment, 
it's a bunch of lounges it's a bunch of themed areas we wanted it to really you know be a great day out with more to do than just eat and certainly things to do while you eat so who are you excited that's coming and is anyone doing something special because I always love it when people don't just bring the like oh I could get this at the restaurant which I think uh-huh. is sometimes a tra- another poor trapping of other you know just throw up the white tent yeah like we're you know always challenging the chefs to be like I agree and something unique which they can't always do that's right exactly and I was going to say so to be fair most of them fall into that for a reason and, and it's, it's typically an economic reason and I'm not right? not begrudging any of them but sometimes the good secret is that after a food fest if you go on a Saturday night you can get the special that's right for whatever it is so I'll tell you for all of our vendors um, there are a few universals one everyone is doing three items okay Everyone will have a $5 item. Okay. And everyone is doing an off-menu special. Those are three very good rules. Right? So what are some examples of the $5 items and the off-menu items? Ooh, oh my gosh. Them? I'm going to be on the spot. There's so many. I feel like I have a giant uh, stew of vendors and menus sloshing around in my head. Um, let me think of who's I and to be frank I haven't seen a lot of the menus yet that's fair as I, I'm no longer a one woman show oh, but yes. I can talk about some of the vendors let's talk about some of the vendors then um, do you want to talk about specific well I'm trying to think if I want to go into categories we have a number of different areas we're going to have okay. phenomenal vendors so we have the ice cream social coming back love it me too so that's not just um ice cream even though there's awesome ice cream salt and straw mcconnell's jenny's um but we also have actually you'll appreciate um mikey likes it ice cream coming in from brooklyn shout out to brooklyn yep first time in la really and they're doing something in partnership with mary jane media snoop dogs um i'm I'm doing a a visual a hand Uh, signal for all of you listening uh, a A hand sign uh for snoop dogs are they doing some sort of uh hemp ice cream i would assume they are indeed doing a hemp ice cream well that's cool which i'm pretty stoked with that's really cool we have um in there a number of confections fun churros cloud food confections who make all of the um crazy shapes of cotton candy so if you really want to poop emoji cotton candy they can totally make that happen for you Interesting. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. So that's in the sweets. If we move into savory, we have a lot of favorites like Petty Cash Taqueria, who's a favorite. Um, leaning into the taco realm, All Flavor No Grease out of Watts, who we love. Um, Soul Food, Comfort LA. And now we're going to talk about some of our little guys who I love. And by the way, I'm kind of looking into the space because I'm imagining the lineup <laughs> on, on my blank white wall in front of me. Um, Comfort LA, we found them last year doing a um, pop-up, soul food pop-up. They use um, sustainable and organic ingredients to make soul food. Hmm. And traditional soul food. Which is not normally known no, for No, it's not. And their greens are so good. Oh, my gosh. So they're one of my favorites. They're coming back, which I'm really excited about. Um, Chomp Eatery. Have to have a little novelty. Rainbow Grilled Cheese. Yeah, I was looking at that. Is I couldn't tell if that just looked good or tasted weird. Um, I couldn't tell you because... I have not had it. It looks. But like, we're gonna find out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen purple cheese, but I have to imagine that <laughs> if you got white cheddar and just wait, I have. There, there are a couple of varieties. There is oh, a yes, purple, there is cheese. purple cheese. Yes, I'm trying to remember what it's called. There is a purple cheese. But maybe not that color of purple. Uh, probably not that shade of unicorn purple. Yes. Um, there's a lot that's really so. There's a lot that's cool in that realm. Um, beyond just the mix of vendors and all the different sections. Um, as you brought up, we are doing something a little bit new this year. 
Yeah, um, you're bringing in chefs from yeah. Guadalajara, Mexico City. So what what exactly. is what is the the impetus behind that? I'll tell you. Uh, in the past, we've had a number of chefs come from Baja mm-hmm. uh, as well as from Mexico City. Um, this year, one of our partners, we have great partners. Um, my promotional partner this year is Nederlander, who I'm sure you've noticed. Mm-hmm. We are. Uh, presented an association with and could not be happier with that. Fantastic. We have an awesome production partner, um, DLS Events, who do big things like Electric Daisy Carnival. That's small, that small means of gathering right? in the desert. Exactly. So they do big. They handle every event at the Wiltern, the Palladium, and so on. So really excited to have that level of infrastructure um, come into the event. And then our my third partner is also functioning as our EP. He's been working in entertainment for many, many years, and he's done a number of events all over the world, including um, Mexico's Bicentennial. Mm. So, And he's lived in Mexico as a result. So with that, he came with just a lot of friends who they were like, is there a place for the, everybody? Like, People want to come up and just kind of have fun. So we looked at this and we're like, how can we really make it fun? And create an experience again. So one of the set new segments of the event is a gastro cerveceria. Mm. And with that, we're bringing up a big group of chefs from Guadalajara, um, as well as a couple from Mexico City. And they're also coming in conjunction with a number of uh, Mexican craft brewers that you don't typically see here in the States. Mm, so not just Modelo. <laughs> no, not just Modelo. No, there's um, uh, Cabotella, who we had last year, who mm. is here now, Baja Brewing Company, but also um, Aguamala, um, Insurgente. Um, I'm trying to remember the third. I cannot remember it, but I will, and I'll give it to you when I do. Okay. And so what additional entertainment are you going to have? So there's some just some fun little cheeky things. Um, in the cheeky realm, we have um, our food porn cinema. Yes. Can you explain uh, what that is? We could not help ourselves. Um, I don't know that I can explain what it is because even here at this stage, five days out, it's still taking shape and form. So to I see think it we'll is see. to believe it. To, uh, yes, indeed. To see it is believe it, but we wanted to do it and have fun with it. Um, we also have our live culinary stage, um, which I'm personally incredibly excited about. Awesome. Live culinary stage um, is actually anchored by what is called the Mobile Village Kitchen, which is um, being shared with us by our charity partner, Peace for Kids. They do a lot of work to create um, permanency for children um, and youth in the foster system here locally in Los Angeles. And they do that here in particular through culinary skills and developing those skills, both for at home and, you know, some of their kids have gone on to culinary careers which is really cool. So they have a custom-built, massive rig that they call the Mobile Village Kitchen that we're bringing to the event and using as our stage, which is really exciting. So we'll be featuring everything from chef demos up there to um, some live podcast recordings. Awesome. Yes, hint, hint. You, you know, if you want to come into the mix, that could happen. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, it's a Sunday. We could absolutely There's a come Sunday. by. We could absolutely come It'll by. It'll be fun. And um, we'll also have some great DJs. We have... Um, and Lit from KCRW. Love it. Yeah. Um, Betos, also from um, KCRW. Amazing. Some acoustic music. God. There will definitely it? be some mariachi because... Of course, there has to be. have to have this. Awesome. So if people want tickets, where can they go? LAfoodfest.com. Easy to remember. Tickets are online at Eventbrite, but you can get there by going to LAfoodfest.com. I would say, you know, we haven't even talked about the other component of the event yet. In addition to what's happening with the Food Fest, we also have a separate pop-up restaurant mm. where we're doing intimate long table dinners. So if you do want to have you know, that more um, refined experience, mm-hmm. or really truly it's just a more intimate experience, there are 250 people each. We're doing um, a kickoff party on Friday night. 
brunch, lunch, and dinner on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and those tickets start at $95 and include uh, admission to the market afterwards and access to the Rose Garden Lounge throughout the day. So if you want the pro tip, that's the best way to, to come and do that. That is the deal. You can't see it. You, you like get a four-course meal. There was a wink, but yeah, that's the deal. There's a four-course deal, a meal with the likes of Walter Mansky, Margarita Mansky, um, you know, Yair Tayez from uh, Mexico City cooking with Ray Garcia. Um, we're doing a, a ladies theme with um, Aisha, sorry, I'm sorry, Naisha Arrington, um, Akasha Richmond, Teresa Montano. Uh, it's some phenomenal talent. Stephen Fretz is doing something uh, to preview a new concept. Awesome. It's, yeah, really. It, it's, I, it's as strong of a lineup as I've seen at any other event so I would say if you haven't checked that out it's on the website tickets are available there as well at lafoodfest.com and if you want to find us on social we are um, in the in the universe as LA Food Fest on the gram how's your gram game our gram game is pretty strong it's pretty good like 65,000 strong that's not too shabby for events very very nice well listen I want to thank you so much thank you thank you for even though you're not doing it or owe anything to LA LA appreciates the food festival (laughs) we appreciate LA can't wait to see you there don't Uh, forget your stretchy pants yes stretchy pants and and a hat Uh, (laughs) we have a song coming up from Dead Stars uh, from back in 2013 here live on Snacky Tunes
following program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. Incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit rt11.com. All right. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Uh, and we have Maria's in studio. Welcome. All the way from Philadelphia. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for coming up. Thanks for having us. I was just down there recently for Thanksgiving with the family. You're from right outside. From right outside. Where in Philadelphia are you? Um, I live in Fishtown. Okay. I'm in Fishtown oh. pretty much now. Does everyone live in Fishtown? Everyone. Yeah. The whole city. The whole, the whole city. city lives to Fishtown. In Fishtown. <laughs> Sounds like, well, that was like how like, like everyone lives in Williamsburg. It's like there's other, there's other parts. Yeah. Well, they call Fishtown like a mini... Williamsburg. Do you remember sometimes. when they when they called Philadelphia the Sixth Borough and people like lost their shit? Do you remember? I don't think Philadelphians were too happy about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> as someone who lived in New York and was a former Philadelphian, I was like, it's its own city. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, welcome to the show. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. My name's Mikkel. I play keyboards and sing lead vocals. And that, my name is April, and I play guitar and I do harmonies. With Mikkel. And I like how you figured out a way to have like a common sounding name of a band, um, but make it totally Googleable, <laughs> which is like really important um, in this day and age. In this day and age, it is, yeah. Where does the name yeah. come from? Um, it's sort of named after my mom, actually. And her okay. name is Maria, but so, spelled the normal way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you come up with the spelling? Um, I think I was just playing around with different spellings of names that could sound like Maria, you know, depending on how you read it but a lot of people do not read it as maria so <laughs> yeah what have, what have been like the more common pronunciations mariah's mirias mirias is a big one mirias is a big one i guess like maybe from like myriad it could yeah you could see that no i can or see where it, where it comes from they would be, they would be wrong sure. they just went on <laughs> they're just wrong <laughs> when mccall went on tour recently i think one of the opening bands didn't they call us no Mirias every night the band that we were on tour on with, tour with would call us Mirias every night every night <laughs> every night but the the guitar player in the band was finally like dude you're saying the name wrong this was our our buddy's white laces yeah we got a couple kids hey guys, who were like, hey guys what's up nothing kids. they can't hear us oh he waved uh, <laughs> and april you went on before for the downtown club which is awesome so yes. thanks for coming back no i'm glad to happy to be back um yes. One of the things that I like that you talk about your band is like the conflicting personalities within bands um, or like the overlap of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that work within the your makeup? Uh, I, th- I think right from the bat with this band, like from the start of this band that we and I sort of wanted everyone's personalities to come through and not try to control it or make it one sound or one... Uh, you know, I wanted everyone to feel comfortable and let their personality shine because everyone has their strong suit. So, and Mikkel was Mikkel wrote these are all Mikkel's songs except for a few covers that we do. Um, but Mikkel, when she brought them to each of us, she never said, "You play this part. You play this part. This is the rhythm you have to do." It was here. Here's my music. What do you hear? 
and we would get together for for there was four of us, four ladies, and um, just sort of jam on Mikkel's songs until we. It worked really well. I actually feel like what we have was very. It came together pretty quickly. Rare, yeah. yeah it was not. It was interesting because. But the idea of not telling other musicians what to play exactly is something that I wanted. I, in my previous band, it was a lot of like dictating what everyone played, and everything was pre-recorded, and you know we recorded songs first, and then we learned them as a band. And uh, before that, I was in a band that was very much improvised, and we all played together and wrote songs together. So I kind of wanted to go back to that vibe more so than you know just telling everyone what part what their parts are. I mean, a lot of music and art that comes from groups like come from the conflict that's created. So if you're mm-hmm. super easygoing about people taking your original idea, like, do you feel that structure is still there, or is it just you kind of let go of things? I think the basic structure is there, but also the way that I write songs, I don't, I don't know if the structure that I initially write them in is the best structure either. So I also really appreciate other other musicians' input on the structure and the sounds that are going on in the song. And I think that it's in the end, it becomes a better song than what I did by myself initially. But there are some songs that we actually kept very to what Mikkel created because yeah. they were very beautiful. I guess it just depends. It depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, each of us have very different backgrounds musically, but we're all very, um, I would say we're all sort of, not trained, but we've been doing it for so long that mm-hmm. I think we were all just very respectful of what Mikkel created and wanted to, we really liked it and just wanted to, like nobody wanted to add have an ego it, and add right. to. It was more, this is beautiful music, let's create together. All right, well, I don't know. Why don't we hear a song? Okay. okay. What's the name of the first song into play? Um, what are, oh, uh, this one's called Unlock My Eyes. Unlock My Eyes. Um, oh, and how far away is this from the original idea? Um, this one is pretty close okay. to the original idea. The original idea was just to have a drone of a song, <laughs> basically, so you can only veer from it so much. No. Okay. Maybe the kids out there got scared. Thank you. 
So when you started the the project and started creating these songs, how far has the sound of the band evolved from when you started this project to where it is or to what we just heard? Uh, well, actually, it's, it started... Um, I was playing these songs solo, kind of similar to this setup with a drum machine beat and just a synthesizer and uh, my own vocals. And then... So this setup right now is actually more similar to how it started. Um, but once I brought in a full band, uh, it definitely took on its own kind of dynamic with, you know, playing to a drum machine, you don't really have changes in volume so much or changes in even tempo changes are, you know, not going to happen. But, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, I just realized I was talking in That's a delayed okay. vocal. <laughs> it's still good. It's okay. Yeah, I'm sure that sounded really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super dramatic explanation. Yeah. The history of... Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add, April. Uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, Mikkel and I, when we first... When this all started, it was her and I, and then it became four women, and then it became two women again and then three like it's had different different ways of playing Mikkel's music and it's worked in each way like yeah, we just played a few shows where our bassist Emily um, who's not here tonight she um, played along to the drum machine which was very interesting but had a pretty good outcome which was I don't know no I don't think bassists really like to play along to the drum machine. I know Emily usually did it for her at all, but she was a trooper and got through it. And it sounds yeah. And, and at what point um, do you feel like do you ever reclaim the songs, or is it that the um, improvisation kind of takes its place and then you like finalize it and record it, or, or is it still like an ever evolving process? I think once once we get to a point that we're pretty happy with it, we that's when we have recorded the songs and and we kind of try to stick to those recordings and you know how mm. how we, I guess how we finalize them. Um, I I think that the way for me to kind of bring it back to my own is to be able to focus on the vocals more and yeah. the, having you know that be kind of like my expression through the song. Yeah, so. and always changing. I mean, I think with this, the way we're doing this right now as a, as a duet is the uh, most, the probably the where we can kind of play around a little bit more with sounds, mm-hmm. usually. I don't know. It's easier with two sometimes, too. Yeah. And then, like, as, like, in the other two band members, like, the dynamic that they add to it, especially for the live show, like, what would, you know, what would you, how would they affect that? Or how do they affect that? Uh, well, I mean, just the, like... E- Especially replacing, well, both instruments are missing right now, so it's like the bass and the drums give it more kind of drive, and I think the songs are a little less droney, you know, with with having the rhythm section there. Uh, Yeah, like there are certain songs like we wouldn't even try playing as the two of us that we do with our drummer and with our bassist. I know playing live has always been really lovely with with this group. their energy between the four of us was always really vibrant and I actually feel like you after we would play shows usually people that would come up to us would say the same that it was nice to watch a band that just felt very comfortable with what they were doing with each other which is as opposed to bands who seem like they're in direct conflict with each other direct conflict with each other or are putting on a show which some people want to see that you know and that's Mm -hmm. not really what we do can you explain that like a little bit further 
probably not to see a band and you can obviously tell like the person who's playing for you is 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 not an actor or an actress but is somebody who's I don't know how to explain it without making it sound like it's a... Well, I think there's a difference in a lot of live music and yeah. seeing bands where some people have the intention and, and and with the audience and the performer that they are there to kind of see a show and see, you know, they want to see people... Perform. Perform and dance around and play guitar licks and... And move, and then yeah. There, I think there's... what well, we were just trying to create something that felt really natural and that we really enjoyed doing. To do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that comes off a different way as an audience member. And for me, as an audience member, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think more than just seeing a performance. More like walls down, kind of like... I mean, setting yeah. here versus like... Th- what we see here on, or what I see here on radio is the same as we'd see in like a, a venue. And like Mikhail, like it's funny when we do, like sometimes we'll play shows, and yes, yeah, some of the songs are long and droney. And like I know sometimes we'll go on and be like, is this going to be boring tonight? Like, are yeah. we going to, like, are people not going to be into this? Is this too slow? Is it too. And I've never felt like that. I've always felt that, I don't know, we're just very presently in the moment and, and not. Not yeah. trying to make it more than not it is. Not trying to make it more than it is. You know, it's, I don't know, it's nice. We're, it, uh, it's different. I've never, I mean, obviously being on Downtown Club and you've met Travis yeah. and Dan, we're kind of putting on, I mean, yeah, it, it's a much whole, whole, I guess that's the other opposite end of the spectrum that I'm thinking. Um, why don't we hear another song? Sure. Sure. What are you going to play? Uh, what are we playing? All alone. All alone? Okay. Yeah.
For some of the Snacky Tunes listeners who are not as familiar with the Philadelphia scene, who are uh, some of the bands that you love down there and some of the venues that you like playing in right now? Um, well, I don't want to name any band. Sorry. <laughs> we, everyone's, uh, you know, even bands that are have different sounds, we're all a really tight-knit community down there. So, I mean, um, I don't know who... Well, our, our bass player has another band called Louie Louie. Yes. That are really awesome. They're up for a Celebrity Award. Oh, my God. I forgot about Celebrity Awards. <laughs> so Celebrity's happening on Wednesday at Johnny okay. Prenda's. Amazing. And um, our Louie Louie is up, and so is Jesse's band's up for it, too. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Louie Louie is great. Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, Spacen are awesome. Uh like blinking. There's this younger band called Kississippi that are really adorable. Kississippi. Kississippi. Oh, Kississippi. Mississippi with the K. It's pretty good. <laughs> They're really great though. There's a there's this whole younger kind of scene that's coming up right now that I mean I don't even know like all the names of the bands or anything, but uh, it's pretty exciting to see that the scene is continuing on. I think in Philly. And uh, then there's older bands too, like Clinton's yeah. band, um, Light, Light, Heat. Light Heat, which used to be Mazarin, and now he goes as Light Heat. And Drew Mills has a band now, AM Mills. Um, so it's funny, all these guys that have been playing music in Philly for a long time are starting to be out and about again. On their next iteration. They're on their next, right. yeah. They like had their children and now they got married and now they're back for more. Exactly. Uh, they all live in Fishtown. Yeah, everyone, well, obviously. There's no such. There's not. It's. I mean, just Fishtown. Just if you rearrange the letters, it just spells Philadelphia. Pretty much, that's true. Um, and then I know you mentioned Johnny Brenda's, but any uh, other right. venues as well. By the way, shout um, out to. I just saw Creed uh, when I was home, and Johnny right. Brenda's is in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. great. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the band. No, no, no. I mean that. I mean, un, it's an unfortunate <laughs> thing because the movie is is awesome. But every time I was like, I saw Creed, people were like. You did? <laughs> uh, talking yeah. about the band. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny Brenda's was really yeah, they're in still, that a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah but as a venue, they're, they're yeah. still a really great place. Um, I mean, I guess the other venues that are around right now are like Boot and Saddle and uh, Ort Leaves is Ort around. And, uh, oh my God, I used to go in there when I was underage and drink beer. When I was like seven or 18. <laughs> Seven. I seven. You said seven or eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still going. It's uh, yeah. That venue is totally switched around. How they have the stage? They have the stage set up in a different area, and, and they like transformed or leaves. It's sound not the same. Is really, it's not the same. Um, but, uh, um, we just mostly recently played at Everybody Hits, and uh, which I, I, I yeah. think we we actually listened to Down Down Clubs. Uh, podcast on the way. Oh, really? We yeah. talked about yeah. everybody hits. Oh, okay. Which yeah, is and they a were batting, talking about it. Right. A batting cage, and they actually have some really great shows there now. It's, yeah, uh, that's a cool place to play still. And uh, uh, Philomoka, we're, we're, we're playing, yeah, we're there. playing in Philomoka. Can you at, hear like the sound of the batting cage during the set? No, <laughs> no <laughs> they have it closed down. Like oh, the okay. batting cage part <laughs> is kind of closed down while bands are playing. Are there yeah. people who are just like bummed? They're like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to watch this band. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and what's up uh, next for for you guys, you two? Um, well, we have a show this coming Thursday at Philomoka with uh, this band called Gun Outfit and uh, another a Philly band called Watery Love, who are another great Philly band. Um, yeah. And then uh, we just kind of finished up recording our for like a full length album. 
so we have some plans to release that in the next year. We recorded with Jeff Ziegler, who mm-hmm. Downtown Club's recorded with. And Great community. Mikkel used to yeah. play in a band with, and yeah. it's a really, yeah. That's amazing. Cool um, so we'll make sure we have time for one more song, but okay. where can people find you, listen to your music, check you out, um, I swing guess some bats with you? Band, Bandcamp has probably the most material on it, but we're on Facebook and SoundCloud also. Mm-hmm. Tumblr, actually. Tumblr. Great. <laughs> Does anybody use Tumblr anymore? Uh, I think, I think so. so. Maybe. I don't know. I think like maybe like they might not know that it's like a Tumblr template, but it's a read anyway. Without getting to it, but um, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. April, us. good to thank see you. you again. Good to see I'm you. I'm glad we made this you, this work. And um, what's the uh, name of the last song you take us out with? What What are we gonna play? We could uh, either do a cover, Nico cover, or we can. Do... Oh, let's do a cover. Okay. I'd like. I'd actually like to hear one of your covers. Okay. Since you teased in the beginning of the episode. Uh, um, well, this has no drum machine to it, so this is a. That's fine. This is as acoustic of a song that we can do with a synthesizer and an electric guitar. This is like modern day acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie was going to play tambourine on this, but since he has microphone duty. I can hold the microphone if you have the tambourine. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. You didn't even bring it in, did you? All right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Sorry. If I'm not in tune, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> Thank you.
about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.